My name is Brianna, and I welcome you to the Tales of Adventure, a D&D podcast like no other. I'm Shannon DeMello. I play Arnis Gray, sometimes known as Gray the Great or the Bard of the Bard's Rebellion, on Seasons of Skyrend. You can find Seasons of Skyrend at Skyrend Podcast on Twitter. And from there, you can find all of our episodes uh, through our page and things. He's a half elf bard. Pardon me, friend. You look like you're. Having a thought on your mind, I was wondering if you could use someone to talk to. I could always use someone to talk to. So what has you so caught up in your own thoughts? Well, um, I don't know exactly how to put this, but have you ever felt like the gods of this world are too involved in your personal life? Actually, I have. So you might understand what I'm saying. Part of my adventuring party, um, a monk named Darvin, he serves the god of death, Coram. And I, in my infinite and terrible wisdom, when I was about to die, made a deal with Coram to save my afterlife so that I would not be damned for all eternity. He asked me to go kill the god of chaos. And I thought, hey, if it saves me from dying now and it, you know, and I can have a good death later, that's totally fine. Until we realized what killing the god of chaos actually meant. And now that we finally figured out how in the world you kill a god, I am uh, struggling with the actual doing of the thing. I can imagine. I feel like we're going to need a few more journeys for this. Just keep them coming. Many more. So, (laughs) how did this all get started? Well, it really started when we were hired by a merchant to travel with him as his protection. Um, there's three of us, myself, uh, Darvin, who's a monk, and uh, our friend Vale, who is a, a rogue. And we were hired by this guy just to, you know, make sure that he and his cargo got from one place to another. Fine. Simple. Rather straightforward. Yeah, rather straightforward. And then we got on the road, and all of this stuff stuff just started getting piled at us. We got attacked by these weird, like, giant bug beetle monstrosity. I don't even know what. And then Vale got put on trial for the death of somebody I'm not even sure they killed uh, in a town that we were in, and I had to be their lawyer. We got attacked by somebody who stole our bones. Like, it just went off the rails. (laughs) Once we finally got out into the world, which I've never had happen before. Never been out into the world or never had anything go off the rails? I've never had anything go off the rails. I've traveled around quite a bit and nothing 
like what happened to us has ever happened to me before in my travels around as a bard. I, it's staggering to think all of the stuff that we went through. And as we were fighting, what were we even fighting that almost killed me? To be honest with you, I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> We've been through so much stuff. I can't even remember the things that almost killed all of us and the thing where I actually died and came back. It's a bit traumatic, um, so I understand. Your brain doesn't <laughs> want to remember the time it almost stopped working. No, I think I think you're right. I think I blocked it out for my own safety. Probably. But we were fighting something that was too big for us to be fighting, clearly. And I, I died. Or rather, we all died? Did we all die? No, it was just me. It was just me. They almost died, though. I died, and I went into this weird snow-covered area where all the people were made of snow, and they were throwing snowballs at me and trying to bury me in the snow. Very odd indeed. Extremely weird. I was so at my wit's end by that point that I just let them bury me. And it turns out that that was the passage into the realm of the dead. So I went in to get judged by Coram, the god of death, convinced him, don't know how, to send me back and that I would undertake this task for him. It's been a weird ride. I would say so. It's not every day you make a deal with the death himself and have to kill a god. So how long ago was this? I'd say when we started, it was about two years ago. But it's been about a year since the death incident where I came back. It's taken us a long time to even, to one, keep on track. <laughs> and to two, figure out even how to go about killing a god because it's not like you can just walk up to them and you know just stab them with a sword and they'll die they're they're much more magically powerful than that so you have to like you have to figure out their weakness and figure out all of these things about them and how to play to that weakness and how to make them weaker if you can and it yeah so it's been a long time it is both a blessing and a curse city gods are difficult to kill because there are some that is a, it is a good thing they are hard to kill because we want them to stay alive. Others though, uh, depends on who you ask. Yeah, and the god of chaos is particularly terrible. Or at least the one who's the god of chaos right now. Because apparently godly mantles can pass from, I don't know if it's like person to person, being to being maybe. But um, he's pretty awful. He likes to send his followers basically out to kill people. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> it's probably why Death does not like him very much. Yes. Gods do not like it when the other gods make their lives more difficult. No, they don't. Which I think is probably why um, the last time that Darwin prayed to Coram, he told him, hey, uh, that thing that I asked Arnis to do, you better tell him to get on it. So I guess we've been stalling or something in his opinion. I believe the gods often forget how things are not as easy for us mere mortals living on the world. 
It does seem that way. Do not have an immortality, nor do we have the ability to transfer ourselves into another in whatever way they pass on their godhood. It's very weird. Right? So how did you begin figuring out how to kill a god? Well, I began by asking Corum, right? Fair enough. <laughs> I was able to kind of co-pray, it was very weird, with Darwin, and we were. I was able to ask, hey, so you want me to do this thing, can you point me in a direction or anything uh, that might be helpful? And he gave me two pieces of advice, which turned out to be, I guess, well, accurate, but helpful with a question mark? Sort of helpful? It's a very accurate description of anything that the gods give anyone. Helpful, with the question mark. <laughs> In his advice giving. He told me it is our children that hurt us the most, whatever that meant, and that if we wanted to try to gain more knowledge or information, we should go visit Barifax, who is the god of the Celestials, who resides at the Celestial Temple, which is... More like a library than an actual temple. They're kind of the keepers of all knowledge. Must be a very nice place to visit, but a challenging place to get to. Yes, sort of, to both. It was challenging to get to, which none of us particularly liked. Oh, I'm sorry. They would want me to call it a ship. And then they had this, like, side mission that we had to go on with them, which ended very poorly. What did they make you do? Well... They are, we'll put it in quotes, they're a merchant vessel? They're pirates. Ah, yes. <laughs> and they were like, hey, we've heard about this huge, like, stash of treasure supposedly on this, like, sunken ship at this island. And we have a map to it, but we need some extra hands because we can't do it ourselves. And we're like, well, sure, we're not actually paying you for passage, so we'll go help you with this thing. Why not? And that to be a terrible idea? Yes, an exceedingly terrible idea. Um, it turned out that the water, um, that the island was in shark-infested waters. Naturally. Yeah, before we even got to the island, one of the crewmates had lost a leg? Leg? An arm? A leg. It was a leg. He had already lost his leg. So that's good. That's a good start. Wonderful start. So we got to the island, had to immediately send him back to the ship, because that's where the doctor was, and... My healing powers can only do so much. <laughs> it's difficult to heal a missing limb, for sure. Yes. <laughs> Almost impossible, in my experience. So we patched him up as best we could and then sent him back to the ship and their doctor. And the folks that inhabit this island are Sahuigan, who the larger of a group that they're in, the more dangerous they are. <laughs> and the more you're hurt, the more dangerous they are. believe I've dealt with them. It's <laughs> really rather not ever see them again. Ever. Yes. Uh, we feel the same way. <laughs> we barely escaped them with our lives. And these folks were still intent on going after this treasure. Idiots. We had to call. The ship was at the bottom of a whirlpool. And we were like, nuh uh <laughs> After all that. Very wise decision on your part. They they still tried to they still tried to sail the ship into like the crevice where the whirlpool was to try to get down to it that way. We barely got the ship out at that point. 
And we were just like, please just take us to Capris. We just want to go. <laughs> just take us to our destination because we can't can't handle the sea adventure anymore. <laughs> Don't believe many unless they had very little sanity left. So we finally got to the port. We managed to get horses. So most of the journey out to the temple was, it was all right until the swamp where we lost one of the horses, which was not good. I hate traversing swamps. You can never get all the swamp water out of your shoes and you smell for the weeks. Yes, which I found to be a problem too. Nobody else particularly cared, but I mean, I'm okay getting dirty as long as I can get clean again and I swear I still have swamp on my shoes from the amount of time we spent out there in that swamp. I believe you do um, too or I was wondering what that smell was. Yeah, it's it's not pleasant and I can't get it out of there no matter how many times I attempt to prestidigitate it. I cannot make it go away. So we finally get out to the temple, which is, I mean, this thing was gorgeous. It was I... <sighs> It had these just giant, beautiful windows and rows and rows of books, if you're into that sort of thing. And uh, it was beautiful. And I could have spent forever in there looking over old song manuscripts and just all of this history of music in Skyrend. It's a very beautiful place indeed. But the celestials that work there, or that reside there, work there, maybe both. Both. I believe. They're so unhelpful. They they have all this knowledge. And when you're like, hey, I'm looking for a book about this particular thing. They're like, oh yeah, well, keep looking. What? Um, very, very unhelpful. <laughs> no help at all. Once you know what sweets they prefer, then you can get some of their attention for about five minutes. If you're lucky. <laughs> so we asked them what we wanted. And we ended up having to go through this, like, trial to make sure that we were worthy of even asking the question. These, like, trials, challenges that were meant to test, like, our personal beliefs, like, our personal convictions. And they were very weird. It was hard to, at many points, it was hard to understand the purpose of them, like what what is this testing? What is it trying to prove? We made it through. We broke the last challenge, which that was fun. How did you break the <laughs> challenge? We <laughs> So there's like a little like antechamber and there's three doors and behind each door is a challenge and you have to do them in sequence. And when we did the last challenge, none of it in there is actually like real, but part of the challenge escaped out into the antechamber and the poor celestial who's rather at the like lower ranks of the whole organization was so befuddled by how this happened and we were asking him like does this happen often that like the challenges escape even after the people escape and he was telling us no this has never happened before this is not normal, but like when you leave, everything resets. So you got out of there and you passed all three trials. So if we just leave, the room should reset. Did it reset? I don't actually know. <laughs> oh, I hope so. We never asked after that. And I don't think he did either because shortly after 
we talked to Barifax and went to leave the temple, we convinced him that he should go too, because the other Celestials were just treating him like dirt. Fair enough. Yeah, like there's a whole world out there. You can just go. In fact, we met a very nice, like, wandering night man who is waiting outside because a uh, because his god told him, go to this place and you will know what your path is. And I'm like, I am betting that he would help you out. And so they're off doing, I don't know what, anymore. Hopefully, like, adventuring or having a grand old time. Sounds like you did a very good deed. Uh, we hope so. We hope it ended well for them. Don't know that we'll ever see them again, but... Perhaps you will. Hopefully it will be under better circumstances. I hope so. Because they were really awesome. <laughs> so, we got our information from this temple, finally. It took a really long time. Which was, again, helpful, but also... Well, it was less vague this time, I suppose, because they had to put us really through the through the ringer to get it. Barifax told us of an artifact that might help. He said we should go look for Brumble's mantle. I feel like okay. I've heard of that. What, what is it? Well, Brumble is the god of plants. Ah. What Brumble's mantle oh. does is it can absorb magical energy. And then it is supposed to it's supposed to then like grow like vines come off of it to kind of dissipate the magical energy and then you can just cut them and it can absorb more magical energy very useful indeed wish I had one of those yeah and he told us basically where to find it he said I'm not sure it's still there but last I knew it was in Bristol Shores and he told us to go talk to Baron Misha so off we went. Sounds like you're being ping-ponged around to the country. Yes. Quite a bit. Uh, yes, nothing worth doing is ever easy. I suppose that's true. And, I mean, I had a, a ticking clock on me because I couldn't, like, I couldn't really risk dying until we had this whole thing solved or I'd risk being damned in my afterlife. Yes, you don't want to risk the air of the god of death if you're about to die. No. So, we went off to see Baron Misha, completely unprepared for what we were going to find in Bristol Shores when we got there. Is anyone ever truly prepared for what they're going to find on quests such as these? I, I mean... I suppose not, but when Barifax told us to go Saren Misha, the citizen of Bristol Shores, I don't think we had any idea that he meant the only person still living in Bristol Shores. Like, I assumed like, oh, that's the name of the person in charge, right? They just call them instead of like mayor or count, they just call them the citizen, right? Sure, that's what they call them. Everything is fine. And we walked up to this town that was just, it was in ruins. There were these huge stones that looked like they had been hurled out of the sea, just crushing everything. And along the shoreline, there was just 
hundreds of crashed boats. And just this town was, it was rubble. I believe I've seen this place. We, my ship, we passed by. I was wondering what had happened. I thought it was something very, very old. It turns out that the devastation was fairly old. Baron Misha is an elf and so lives a long time uh, and had been working for, I think, upwards of, I believe it was a hundred years to find all the rest of the people who were lost in the destruction and like lay them to rest, to bury the rest of the dead. It's a terrible job to do on your own. Yes, and he'd been doing it alone for a hundred years. I just, I can't even imagine uh, when we turned up. And so his one request, because he, in all of his workings around the erstwhile town, he was pretty sure he knew where the item we were looking for was. Um, but he wanted our help to find the last five people that he hadn't been able to locate. He was pretty sure they were on the shoreline and so that they had been overtaken by uh, waves and crashing ships. But he couldn't get out there on his own because there are these huge sand crabs. I'm sorry, they're called skull crabs. Oh, I hate those things. <laughs> that inhabit the whole shoreline. And so he couldn't get out there. He was trying when we came upon him. He was... He had tripped on something trying to get away from the skull crabs and was like hanging by his foot off of a rope off of one of these ships. And when we finally got him down, we realized, oh, you're Baron Misha. It's a good thing we saved you. And so we helped him find the last five people and he helped us find the mantle. But when we got it, it looked wrong. It wasn't like green and growing it was a large black stone that when anything magical got near it you could see kind of an opalescent pattern start to emerge and swirl on the inside of it and we took it the non-magical among us were required to carry it because i got near it and went i'm not touching that thing <laughs> understandable there's Many, many reasons for no one with magic to touch that. Yeah. Seems like it might have been curled up dead or changed in some way from its original form. Once we finally had it and had some time to look at it, we we still couldn't quite figure out how to use it. I mean, we figured out that it kind of that it had to be turned on in order for it to like suck magical energy and that it could be turned off. But we weren't sure in its current state because nothing grew out of it, right? So it couldn't just continue to take in magical energy. Of course. We weren't sure in its current state if it would be able to suck enough magic out of the god we were trying to suck magical power out of. A second pose quite the challenge, I imagine. Yeah. It... Luckily, Baron Misha, knowing the people of these parts, told us where we might get some answers. Unfortunately, it involved going to see uh, my mother, whom I had never met nor spoken to until we went to ask her for a favor. <laughs> Whatever happened there? I still don't know. 
I was told growing up, because I was curious, right? My dad raised me, I never knew my mom. And I was curious about her, of course, but all my mom, all my, all my mom, all my dad would ever say is she's gone and you are not allowed to go find her. Promise me you won't go find her. What were you when you first set off to try and find her or did you? I didn't. I respected my dad's wishes. Impressive. Not many would. (laughs) It wasn't until I was presented with an opportunity to gain a whole bunch of knowledge at the Celestial Temple because Barifax said, you get three questions. And I went, oh, three questions. I mean, I really only have one, but three questions, you say. Better make the most of it. Exactly. That I asked who my mom was. And uh, he told me that my mother is uh, Adriana Balfall. She works for the Vice Count... There we go. (laughs) That's who it is. She works for Vice Count Arena in... Oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of the town that they're even from. It doesn't particularly matter. And she's very important to the Vice Count. Has many duties and holds a lot of secrets and a lot of sway. May have met her many years ago. I was traveling and had done a small favor for the vice count and I may have seen her. You probably did. She's with the vice count most of the time, as long as they're in the city. So off we went uh, to visit my mom. And by the time we get there, we had to go through the swamp again. Because you always have to go through the swamp again. Because of course you do. <laughs> by the time we get there, I'd sort of I'd, I'd had enough <laughs> of kind of everything. Understandably so. We barged right in <laughs> to her office. Uh, she runs the city guard in addition to her other duties. Barged right into her office with a ton of people around and just said, Hi, Mom. <laughs> to get her to dismiss everybody and listen to us because I just... I didn't have time to to mess around anymore. I imagine it was a rather awkward family reunion. It's, it's really awkward to have like never seen your mom before and then be going to see her only because you need something, right? Like, I need a favor. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's awkward. Not starting things out on the best foot, but unfortunately there's only so much you could do about that. So she dismisses everybody and we talk briefly about why we're there and what we need because the people that had actually done all of the research were her parents. Um, And you can imagine in the lifespan of an elf how many volumes, nay, libraries you could fill with your notes and your research. I've seen some of the libraries some of the elves have built and oh boy. Yeah, they are. It's very impressive. Although some choose very weird niche topics to speak about to research. Right. Well, and that's kind of, it's sort of how I felt about her parents' research. I guess my grandparents' research. They seem to sort of be all over the place. Like my grandmother would be researching like one thing and like she'd be doing her thing. And then my grandfather would be doing his thing. And sometimes they would work together and sometimes not. So you'd get like, one journal of notes that was my grandmother talking about something specific, like say how to work with this particular artifact, who knows 
how they knew about it or what was going on with it. Um, and then the next journal was my grandfather researching something completely different. <laughs> so they were they were kind of doing their thing. As it can be a bit of a headache trying to trace a specific line of research, especially imagine trying to do that where there is a whole family. Yeah. So we got a bit of information that basically seemed to say if we took this thing and we sucked a whole bunch of magic into it, theoretically, that magic could then be transmitted out to something else. But you'd need something or someone to serve as a conduit for that magic to go out into whatever the other object was or just out into the world. So there has to be someone handling and channeling the magic outside of the relic itself. Yes. Which... Sounds scary. Yes, and did not inspire a lot of confidence. But we decided, rather than test the theory on the god for the first time, because that seemed risky. That would have been a terrible idea. Yeah, that we would test this out on, in order to help a group of people we had met along the way. We came in contact with a group of grung living in the frost swamps. So, swamps again. Always swamps. They were ill from something that seemed to be... Something that seemed to be passed down generation to generation. And we figured out that the problem was the thing that was actually... That they were using to keep their birthing pool warm. It was emitting not just warmth, but a type of like magical radiation that was causing their eggs to be hatched sick. It was reducing their lifespans and causing them to be harmed by their own poisonous like mucus layer. That's terrible. It breaks my heart to think about. You can see why we wanted to help them if we could. So we used Brumble's mantle to suck the energy out of this magical object that was keeping their birthing pools warm and we replaced it with an item that we had luckily enough that could create the same amount of heat for their eggs but without the the magical radiation as a side effect so we saved the ones in the eggs unfortunately it meant that and i don't know why they did it i have no idea in order to channel this thing veil had to help it as a focus. So Vale had was holding the mantle in one hand and had the bulb in the other hand and used themselves as a channel to get the magical energy out of the object with the magical radiation and into Brumble's mantle. Oh my. I imagine that has not great side effects. Well, uh, the initial side effect was that their arm was glowing green um, from all of the magical energy that they had sucked in because they are not a magical person they had a lot of trouble making that magical energy release into Brumble's mantle and so their arm was glowy that's always rather uncomfortable situation um, we knew that it worked sort of we decided to try to do it the other direction and see if we could make something that would heal their sickness so out of that same magical energy something that might be able to heal the ones that were already sick right we saved the babies 
That's great. We wanted to see if we could do something for those that were still alive and living with this. Very noble of you. Knowing that this magical object was really powerful, we went out as far away from the like Grung village as we could because the last thing we wanted was to like blow somebody's house down because we didn't know what was going to happen. Very smart move. Most adventurers don't think to do that first. I had to prepare like this magical circle that was part of my grandparents' instructions for how to do this whole um, transfer thing. There was an incantation that I had to say, and then Vale was going to be the focus. So I was going to be aiding in the direction of like the magical energy going out, and then Vale was just going to be like trying to power through, relax. I don't even know what to make the transfer of energy happen. It seemed to go okay at the start and then I lost focus they lost focus um, we started to struggle and lose our way through the particular spell that I was having to recite and they are one armed but we managed to make a blanket that though it doesn't work as quickly as we would like um, in the span of about two weeks it will heal somebody completely from the illness. So we start with the people that were furthest along, right? The kids don't feel a ton of effects from it. So starting with the sickest and just pass it down and pass it down and pass it down until everybody is healed. So you saved them all. Almost. Um, the person who had told us about their troubles, Sock, she died before we could, before we could save her. She was really, really sick. She was on death's door when we got there. So tragedy, but did she at least live to see her people healed? No, she didn't. She didn't even live to see us create the blanket that would heal them, which was, that was tragic. Very sorry to hear that. Her legacy is that all of her people will be well and no longer plagued by that disease they've lived with for so long. Well, I hope wherever she is now, she knows that. I I hope so, too. What happened to Vale? Uh, they lost an arm. We're not happy about that. I don't think anyone will be happy about losing an arm, but... They're learning, or have been learning, to fence or use their, like, daggers with their offhand, which is... It's tough, and they're frustrated by it. Very unwieldy, especially starting out yeah and watching them has been it's been killing me because I feel like it's my fault that they don't have that arm I mean they chose they chose to be the one that was the focus and they chose to do this other thing and I know that but I feel like I should have been able to prevent it and I couldn't you are using very powerful very old magic that's difficult to do for anyone anyone could have made that mistake true <laughs> true it it doesn't make watching them struggle any less painful and there is nothing that will but i firmly believe your friend will find a way i i hope so and if i do know there are some craftsmen in some cities that are able to create devices to serve as replacements. It's, they're not perfect, but it could be something worth looking into. We may. We're at the point where I guess we have to go finish 
this, uh, we have to get to the end of the path that we're on before we can even think about it. And so we'll, we'll see what Vale decides to do. If we can actually manage to kill the god of chaos and whatever happens in the aftermath of that. So what is your plan? How do you plan to go about killing this god of chaos? Well, we know where he is. Consequently, or maybe not so consequently, we've met him before. We didn't know it was him at the time. Oh, interesting coincidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our plan, because he runs like a little, it looks like a shop in Capris. It's full of these insanely powerful magical items. Our plan really is like the element of surprise, <laughs> which is maybe not the best plan. But we figure we're not going to have long once we try to do whatever it is we're going to do. So our plan is to go in, say, hey, buddy, how's it going? And basically, like, whip out the mantle, get it going and suck as much of his magical energy before he realizes what's going on as we can <laughs> and then go from there. It's not a good plan. But it's hard to make a particularly good plan when trying to kill a god. It's not exactly a, a good plan, <laughs> but we're hoping that it's not a the whole party dies plan. <laughs> I hope so too. It would be rather unfortunate, and I shudder to think of what the god of chaos would do after such an attempt, especially if he figured us out who sent you. Yeah, that is actually the bigger worry. He's already apparently trying to take away souls from the god of death. So I can't even imagine <laughs> what he would do if we died and he found out who it was that had sent us to kill him. He has found a way to steal <laughs> souls from death? Yeah, which... How is... How is that even possible? We figured out, and I only learned this from talking to Coram, that the place with like the snow and all the snow creatures that I went to before I went into the realm of the dead when I died the first time, the plane is actually controlled by Pathox, the god of chaos. He's found a way to put an extra layer between the living and the dead so that souls have to pass through his it's called a grayscape we learn later that souls have to pass through this grayscape in order to get into the realm of the dead that's a scary thought yes quorum noticed a problem because there were people dying that weren't turning up in his realm because everybody no matter what god they worship they go to quorum first to be judged right and then Sometimes they get the choice. Do you want to stay here? Do you want to go to the god of your people? And he was noticing souls weren't showing up. And he couldn't figure out why. And so we still don't know how Pathox did it. How he created this lair. My question would be, why? What would the god of chaos want with the souls of the dead? Does he wish to become death himself? I think so. At least according to Coram, and it makes sense... If he can amass enough kind of souls and enough power, he's planning a full-on assault on the realm of the dead and on Quorum himself. I feel like there's a bit of a personal history there. But... <laughs> I 
I have no idea. But once Coram actually explained that bit of it, the, hey, TikTok, time to get moving, started to make a little more sense. Very much more understandable when your enemy is amassing an army to knock on your doorstep and probably very well destroy the world as we know it. Yeah, because who knows what he would have done after. <laughs> I mean, he is the god of chaos, right? So who knows? After he takes over the realm of the dead, what's next? Now he's two, two gods in one. Why not go after some other god? Take their mantle too. This is not a very good situation at all. I need another drink. <laughs> You'd like another drink? Uh, always. So when do you plan to launch your attack? I mean, I'd like to put it off for as long as possible, but seeing as we're in Capris already, I guess tomorrow. <laughs> well, I wish you luck and I will do what I can to keep other parties from interfering because I have a feeling this is going to draw quite a bit of attention. Yeah, I would keep them away from that shop at the end of the road. <laughs> I will see what I can do, and I have some... If you can. ...friends and acquaintances and favorites I am out that I can pull in. last thing we want is people from outside being dragged into this. Yeah. Let's not worry about that too much for now. Now let's sit back and enjoy this wonderful ale and perhaps tomorrow we can meet again and celebrate your victory let us only hope well if we're not celebrating your victory we're probably all dead so <laughs> how right you are <laughs> to hopefully not dying and to killing chaos for death i will drink to that Never thought I'd be saying that sentence out loud, but then again, my life is weird. <laughs> so is mine. <laughs>
Tales of Adventure is directed and produced by me, Brianna Toiber, as part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network. The music is by Patrick Chester of Chester Studios. To see more of his work, visit his website at chesterstudios.net. Find out more about Pseudonym Social by visiting our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com. If you like what I'm doing and would like to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial and choose one of the tiers connected to Tales of Adventure. You can also leave a review on iTunes to make our show easier to find for those who need it.